Jim Erie here, Vice President of Revenue at uh, Zentist, and I'm pleased to be joined today by Chelsea Myers, who's the founder and CEO of Dental Life Coach. Chelsea, welcome to Zentist TV. Thank you for having me, Sina. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So uh, I'm really curious to kind of understand how you started a, a dental life coaching uh, firm, because uh, in my career over the last 10 years in dentistry and 15 years in healthcare, uh, I've come across a lot of consulting firms mm -hmm. uh, that focus on a business. And I've always felt personally, having been part of a DSO and other groups, um, that you know, oftentimes I find uh, dentist entrepreneurs have this vision and uh, they chase that vision and they put systems in place. But you know, building a DSO or dental group is really hard. And somewhere along the lines, you may achieve the goals that you want from a business standpoint or sometimes get close to them but your personal life right, uh, can have a significant uh, impact mm -hmm. when it comes to whether or not you have that balance, uh, whether or not you're able to maintain those uh, personal relationships. So can you maybe tell us what was the inspiration behind uh, Dental Life Coach and, and where you primarily focused your time and effort today? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an interesting question because when we look at um, other types of organizations outside of dentistry, it's not uncommon at all for there to be coaching and mentorship, um, particularly at the highest levels and then to the C-suite. Um, and so this isn't a new concept. And I started my coaching career at uh, Wells Fargo Bank okay. and came on as a project manager, actually, and was rolling out some projects. And um, if you've ever implemented uh, big changes to um, established systems, you know that that can be uncomfortable for people. And so I found myself having to figure out okay, how do I put these things into place and keep the team unified and excited about this process? Because it actually is better for the team and better for the, better for the organization itself. Um, but there was a lot of resistance. And so um, that looked like a lot of self-study, a lot of me reaching out to mentors like, hey, how do I do this? What do I do? And it ended up um, over the course of the year being a really successful project and people were intact. The team was excited about the changes and the organization, of course, was happy because we implemented the systems. Um, and a manager that we shared the floor with was watching you know, this transformation take place and he was like, hey, what are you teaching them? And can I learn this too? And I was like, okay, sure. So at this point I kind of had some things that I knew that um, were heavy hitters in helping create these results. And so I coached him and he's like, you know, you gotta talk to this dentist buddy of mine. And I coached his dentist friend and that was actually a really fantastic relationship for us both because he got the um, results he was looking for in his life and in his business. And I got an introduction to a really fantastic industry. So I um, here and there just started coaching different dentists, became very interested in it. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know how this is gonna work, but I wanna own a practice. And so <laughs> did some research, um, found Brian Kaleo and Dykema and uh, partnered in a number of practices myself. And wow. so um, in every other sense, other than being in the mouth, I do have a very uh, wide lens and scope of what it's like to be in this industry. It is unique and there are a lot of challenges and there are a lot of stressors and um, pressures that maybe just on the outside looking in can't be completely appreciated. And in addition to that, it's made up of some really intelligent and wonderful people who have blind spots and what they would like access to this information that we're teaching at Dental Life Coach. And when they have it, we're watching these amazing results take place. And so um, having that organization 
and seeing the need for this type of coaching and implementing it with not only our doctors, but um, friends in the industry at that point as well, I developed a really fantastic curriculum that was creating massive results. And so um, this is where my passion lies and this is what we've built and it's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, I wasn't aware that you had uh, that level of experience on the clinical side as far as ownership, mm -hmm. uh, which I think really lends itself well to understanding uh, what the doctor is going through right. on a day-to-day on -day basis. I often say, you know, dental practice is like a grinder, like you're not sure how you're going to get spit out at the end of the day. <laughs> going into the office in the morning, your schedule can change so drastically right. depending on what's going on, including emergency visits. Um, and with your clients, Chelsea, I'm kind of curious to know uh, where do you start? Um, because I know that uh, oftentimes, you know, for the dentists that haven't had the experience of having a coach, mm -hmm. um, oftentimes they have clinical coaches, right? Meaning like they're taking right. CEs and they've had that mentor that maybe taught them how to do implants and root canals. And mm -hmm. they seem to spend a lot of uh, money, time and resources on that. And maybe they're not as... Um, proactive when it comes to finding a life coach. Mm -hmm. So how do you engage them? What's the first step in that process that you take? Yeah, so owner or DSO owner comes to me. Um, it could be a number of things. Sometimes it's, you know, that we have um, our JV doctors, our doctors who want to make partnership, and we'd like them to go through this leadership training to make sure that they're well, they're well prepared for this uh, for this opportunity. Other times it's, you know, we want to make this a group wide benefit. We want everyone to have access to it. Um, but really where we start is I have a conversation with the CEO or my point person um, and figure out, okay, what are the goals here? What are the areas of opportunity from your viewpoint? And then I meet with the doctors and I ask them, you know, if, if things could change to be better, what, what is the one thing that would really make things better for you? Do you think mm -hmm. as far as a leadership aspect is concerned? And, um, and it takes, you know, a little bit of time, a little bit of finessing to really figure out, you know, what do you want? What's holding you back? And then how do we get you there and align that with the vision and values of the organization? But um, we have 13 areas that we focus on. And depending on the individual we're working with, it may be heavier in one or two areas than the others. Um, but we do focus on all 13 areas to make sure that they're well prepared for those opportunities. And for associate dentists, you know, having previously run a DSA prior to Zentist, I often found that the most challenging role to kind of fill, right, was uh, an associateship uh, where you were looking for somebody with the strong case presentation skills. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't find that the New York grads um, had the soft skills developed um, mm -hmm. as much. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was different 15, 20 years ago, but I feel that it's an area that's very... Um, it's, it's lacking in terms of coaching, right? And associates often don't have, you know, coming out of dental school, right, uh, a lot of capital because uh, mm -hmm. they're looking to maybe pay down the debt. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have any services for associate dentists? And if you're working with a practice, let's say I'm a principal dentist and I have, you know, I need to hire an associate and I've been interviewing these candidates and it's hard for me to find somebody with seven, eight years of experience. Mm -hmm. So I really have to take a new grad under my wing. What sort of coaching do you do for those particular um, dentists, right, that are coming out of school, um, they maybe not have had the benefit of having, you know, a mentor like yourself. Yeah. Uh, and, and how do you uh, propose that the practice engage you in that? Because um, I see a benefit in having my associate dentist be able to produce more. Right. Um, and uh, the question here is that how do you get them there? And I think a big component of it uh, that lacks that maybe the principal dentist cannot uh, translate right, to the associate 
uh, are those soft skills and oftentimes um, that takes a lot of coaching and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and time, which a lot of principal dentists frankly don't have, right? I mean, part of the reason why a principal dentist will add an associate is to scale back their own hours. So if they're scaling back by 15 hours and then to spend 15 hours mentoring this associate on the soft skills, I find can be quite exhausting. Right. So have you thought about that? Is there an offering that you have for yeah, those? Yeah, absolutely. We work with associate dentists all okay. of the time and I think it's a really um, smart approach. It's more responsive than reactive to the situation. Um, really, you're talking about three things. You're talking about you know, the relationship aspect, which is the relationship with ourselves, with our teams, with our careers. And that's something that's really, really important for um, especially a new graduate to understand. Sometimes there are unreasonable expectations that um, our careers should do something for us or our patients should do something for us or our team should do something for us when really, um, whether you're an associate or a partner or an owner, um, you, you are the leader. They're looking to you to bring it to the table and then they will respond in almost in mirror form to what you're bringing. And so the relationship aspect is really important. And then you mentioned case presentation and whether you know our doctors are present for the whole case presentation or come in as a closer, that communication is gonna be really important. And so um, developing the confidence to communicate whether you stumble over your words like I just did and keep going or whether you pull back because you think you've said or done something wrong or you're um, trying really hard not to upset anybody. Um, those types of things are really important. And of course, then the leadership aspect. So not only being coachable yourself, but being willing to mentor and coach your team as well. So those are three of the things that come to mind when you bring that up. Mm -hmm. And for the DSOs that are going through M&A integration, mm -hmm. um, we went through a lot of that, my former organization, and I often found that um, really most of the issues boil down to communication, right, change management, expectations, mm -hmm. understanding where the other person uh, is emotionally, and being able to kind of position your objectives and your goals uh, to be aligned really with the personal objectives of these individuals who are coming in to work really because they've decided this is gonna be my career. And I do know historically, you know, we've kind of painted this picture uh, with some teams that, hey, they're looking at this as a job and not necessarily a career, mm -hmm. yet we haven't invested as much as perhaps we could right, in training those individuals mm -hmm. uh, or understanding uh, where they're coming from as far as maybe the practice was bought by a DSO and uh, they're used to a particular type of culture and all of a sudden they feel like this bigger organization has stepped in. Uh, so I'm wondering how are you working with, uh, you know, DSOs that are acquiring uh, and how are you adding value from a perspective of really shortening the cycle for M&A integration and most importantly ensuring that uh, the team members don't depart because let's face it, I mean, you can have an agreement, uh, but those agreements can be broken mm -hmm. and uh, it's easy for a hygienist today or a dental assistant or office administrator uh, to go across the street, right, the minute that office is acquired. And one of the areas that I find often to be a point of grievance is when they're not told that the office is being sold. Mm -hmm. So what experience have you had in that M&A integration world and what advice would you give to DSOs that are going through that change management? Yeah, um, you, you said something really important there. You said shortening the process, which is um, exactly what we do. And so what we want is we want our doctors to be flexible and adaptable. And whether that means my hygienist called in sick today or that means we're being acquired by a larger organization, we need to have that higher level mind management in place. Um, and that's not something that you can be reactive about. That's something that takes you know daily mental strength training. And so, yeah, it's called a soft skill, but the soft skills are the things that we can um, build cultures around that can scale. These are the leaders that 
people want to be led by, and that is what is so important about this work. Um, people aren't leaving, like we heard Pat Bauer say the other day, people aren't leaving because of you know how much they're getting paid, they're leaving because of how they're being treated and their perception of their work-life experience. Absolutely, and I think in the offices that at least I've been in where there has been an investment in, in kind of bringing in a coach or consultant, uh, the team members really appreciate it, right? Because what that signals to the team member is you actually care mm -hmm. and you understand that maybe there's some things they may not want to disclose to you as the principal owner, but yet they would still benefit from speaking with somebody um, that maybe is much more, you know, they're, they're not as biased, right? Because they're sitting in a seat where they're looking at things from the outside in mm -hmm. and they're able to kind of understand where the middle ground is uh, and really communicate that. And, and sometimes as clinicians, I think, you know, they don't necessarily see how the other team members feel mm -hmm. uh, and vice versa. And so it's important to have that lens to be able to understand where each side's coming from. But I often find if there is somebody involved in that process, um, it often goes much more smoothly. Um, in my own career, you know, I've come across a lot of dentists that uh, are not the greatest at dealing with conflict and confrontation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering from your experience, where does that come from? Because I've met very successful clinicians uh, that have built multi-million dollar practices, mm -hmm. uh, yet the minute an HR issue breaks out and there ne needs to be a conversation with a team member, um, they're just you know, extremely gun-shy as far as having that conversation and they're extremely nervous with regards to confronting uh, that issue head-on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm wondering where does that stem from, how do you how do you get a doctor or clinician to kind of overcome that? Um, you know, one way that they overcome it is, is hiring an HR manager, but I often find uh, as the dentist, you have to be a leader. Mm -hmm. and, and, and dealing with those uh, things uh, has to uh, become a skill, right? And it has to become second nature. And, and, you know, you can delegate it all you want, but I don't think necessarily it's the best idea. So can you comment on that in particular and, and what your experience, your personal experience has been? Yeah, so having, you know, a skill set to handle high conflict situations, there's a couple things happening here. So the first part is um, the level of awareness that the doctor has about his or her ability level. And when we say something to ourselves like, oh, this is going to be a difficult conversation, that language is so strong and we really undervalue um, the way that we're thinking and talking. But the word difficult, we have so many experiences and reference points that have defined what difficult looks like. And it freaks us out before we're ever in the situation because we've decided this is going to be a difficult conversation. Okay, so we need to get really, really clear on what we're thinking and be intentional about that. And that is, like I said, something that we have to work on and build up to. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that's happening is um, we're looking externally for um, validation on how things are going or um, we're looking to see, is this something that I can handle or is it not? Oh, it looks like you're responding in a way that's not favorable. So I guess I'm not handling it well. And that thought process, which takes place in the, you know, 30 seconds, it really shapes the conversation because now you're picking up on something. You don't know what it is. You can't read my mind, but my behavior is indicating that this isn't going well. And so really these are things that have to be coached on and thought through and um, even role played sometimes to really get a new set of skill sets. So, you know, in a high stress or intense environment, our brain is um, picking up on cues and signals and it's suggesting action based on our current programming. And so what we have to get really good at is understanding what those default programmings are in place and how to reprogram those. In neuroplasticity, um, there's so much research that indicates that it's not only possible, but um, 
incredibly beneficial when it's worked on in an active way. Yeah, and I love what you said in the beginning, which is your mindset with regards to what you're about to experience really shapes how you approach the issue. And so if you're looking at it from a negative lens, you're much more likely to go into it being nervous, you know, assuming worst case scenarios and outcomes. Uh, and you can, you know, through those negative thoughts, um, really sabotage. So Chelsea, I love what you said with regards to approaching the um, conflict with a positive mindset because too many times we go into the conversation uh, and beforehand we're assuming that it's going to be extremely confrontational mm -hmm. and uh, when you're walking in with that emotion um, it's not putting you in a clear state of mind and uh, and I agree with you in that you know when you're uh, looking to build this skill set, uh, having somebody to role play with and having the ability to kind of exercise, right, that muscle. Mm -hmm. um, and somebody who's ideally done it many times before can be a great coach uh, in regards to that. So I think all in all, um, there's a lot of value in having an individual who can walk you through the emotions that you're feeling and, and kind of make sure that you're able to um, get much better at dealing with these things, especially if you're looking to acquire more practices. You're gonna expand your team. You're gonna increase the frequency of having to, need, having to have these difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. um, now, are there any resources that uh, you're aware of that dentists um, should take advantage of, any books? I know you have a podcast. <laughs> I maybe talk a little bit about that because yeah, you've sure. had some great guests on recently and uh, is the podcast more centered around you know, the personal career mm -hmm. uh, management, or is there another angle that you try to address in yeah, those conversations? I try and do both. So um, the podcast is a combination of um, things that our clients are finding a lot of benefit from learning and then bringing on people like yourself, I'm excited for our episode to launch, but bringing on people who have real experiences to share. You know, um, Anybody who's hiked a tall mountain knows what it's like on the climb up. And so um, when people are in that dark tunnel, um, having somebody that can explain, you know, what it was like, what helped them, where the pitfalls were, uh, just hearing somebody else's voice sometimes can really help you get some clarity around that. So yeah, the podcast, Dental, the, the Dental Brain Crops podcast, and then the website is www.dentallife.coach. And then of course I'm on LinkedIn, Chelsea Myers, M-Y-E-R-S. Fantastic. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for joining us today on Zentis TV. And I'm super excited to be on your podcast and we'll continue to listen to it. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.